Before we officially start this episode of the Team Turnbuckle Podcast on the IV Sports Podcast Network, I want to remind everyone that this podcast is on the IV Sports Podcast feed. You can find that podcast network on iTunes, Spotify, and Anchor. Please be sure to subscribe to be notified of all podcasts from the IV Network. We would also appreciate if you would rate and review this network. Finally, you can follow IV Sports on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. The Facebook group has a premium membership that allows you to post without it being approved by an admin. You can be commissioner for a day, receive free gambling picks, and a whole lot more. And with that, we are back with another edition of the Team Turnbuckle podcast with me as always. My main man, my tag team partner, the Matt Hardy to my Jeff Hardy, Ron L. Tinsley. Ron L., how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great today, Keith. How you doing, buddy? I cannot complain. Uh, we have got a lot to talk about today because uh, there's been a lot going on in wrestling since the last time we got together. So you want to get right into this? Let's go. All right. So let's start with Extreme Rules, the pay-per-view that honestly was really good uh, on Sunday night. And let me paraphrase that or I guess explain that for the people that are probably going, it was crap. The wrestling was outstanding on it. There were some booking decisions and stuff that – I wasn't crazy about, but we'll get into that as we go through these. Uh, the first match, and we're only going to talk about the main card because we got a lot of stuff to get through, but Cesaro and Shinsuke kind of in a little bit of a surprise upset and defeated the New Day in a tables match. Uh, for me, this is kind of all about Cesaro. I, I didn't realize until I saw a post on Twitter, this is his third different partner that he has won the tag titles with. Obviously, there was Tyson wow. Kidd and Sheamus. Uh, before and now obviously with Shinsuke that's a pretty impressive thing to do I, I don't know what the record is for the most tag titles uh, with different partners but I will try to find that out uh, were you surprised at this result uh, upset with it what, what did you think about that not overly surprised quite honestly um, you know how heavy I uh, how big of a Cesaro mark I am you know, I feel like he's one of the most underutilized. And I'm glad to see um, he's looking extremely good, like, just physically. Like, he's put on a few more pounds. I believe he's, like, now up into, like, the 235 range. But in short, so that I don't get too long, uh, not upset with this. I kind of saw this coming. Uh, very happy for Cesaro but and for Shinsuke, quite honestly. Hopefully, you know, they get themselves a nice uh, little title reign. And maybe it can finally work them both into possibly uh, world title contention. We don't want to spend too much time on this, but just real quickly, where do they go from here, though? Because, I mean, you got the New Day, you got the Usos. Who do you see challenging them? I honestly don't know. Um, I mean, there's also heavy machinery, even though Otis has the money in the uh, bank contract. But You could forget that very easily, considering it's been months, it seems like, since he's been on TV. Yes, yes. I believe I saw a meme that said his last uh, appearance on television was like the 8th of June, which is kind of strange. But, no, I'm happy for these guys. I, I don't know if it's going to be they'll be running it back with the New Day. Um, or what else they may have in plan. Uh, who knows? Uh, I'm seeing some things, and this is just in wrestling groups, of um, hints of a possible um, undisputed era of call-up. 
That would be nice. I just hope it's somebody different. I, you know how much I love the New Day and the Usos. I mean, if you if you don't, you're not a wrestling fan. But it is getting a little stale with their tag team division because it's just the same teams over and over. It is. It is. Let's get some fresh blood in there. Let's re let's revitalize uh, SmackDown's tag division. That's why I was excited about that. Okay, so next up. We all know how I have been saying for weeks on this podcast that Seth Rollins is the best wrestler in the world right now. I'm going to tell you, I think that title right now goes to a woman named Bailey. Uh, she just continues to get better uh, as a heel. She's getting better in the ring. Uh, she had a great match on Monday Night Raw last night. This was a really good match. She retained the SmackDown title with, of course, the assistance of her best friend, tag team partner, Sasha Banks. And defeating Nikki Cross, really this match, though, to me was all about Nikki Cross. It was, I thought, the best she's looked in the ring since I've seen her on the main roster. I now kind of understand the people that are, you know, big time on her. She was really impressive. She moves really well, uh, you know, for a woman that's not exactly tiny, uh, which is always, I think, a good thing uh, when a wrestler's athleticism surprises you. But, uh where do you think Bailey goes from here? Because it looks like they're going to hold off to Sasha, you know, Bailey split until the, the crowd's back. And God, who knows when that's going to be. It And that's one thing that, like, I, I don't know if they can really hold off on that anymore. Um, so it's really difficult. Um, I'm not really seeing anyone else on SmackDown that's really deserving. I mean, I know that there's this whole um, – Naomi deserves better hashtag going around and that's a completely different story and talk, but there's no real contenders uh, in there for her. So honestly, I, I feel that the Sasha angle is the only story left right now. Yeah. My answer would be Sonya Deville, but then you're going heel versus heel and that kind of defeats what they're obviously, or at least it appears like they're building to, or when Sasha and Bailey split up Bailey, I would hope gets to stay the heel because she's done such phenomenal work since she's she's gone hill so it'll be interesting to see who is challenging bailey if it's not sasha soon so next we're going to go through a couple of these matches we're not totally sure who the champ is right now we had mvp in quotations won the u.s title uh we think because apollo cruz could not pass his pre-match physical they they didn't really mention this on Raw, at least not the way that they did with Sasha, where you had Stephanie, you know, come over the uh, the screen and say that, and we'll get to Sasha's match in a minute, that they would have to fight again for the belt. I mean, I'm sure this is leading to an MVP Apollo Crews match soon. Uh, I actually think it's the right decision to put the belt on MVP anyway. He is one of the most entertaining things about Raw right this second. But I do hate that, you know, it's at the – the cost of, you know, Apollo Cruz, who I wouldn't say is getting interesting, but he, he's at least having some character development. Do you think that is something up with Apollo Cruz? Cause we haven't seen him on TV in a few weeks. And then if he did officially lose the title this way, I mean, it's, it's kind of a bad look for him. Yeah. Um, I'm not certain. I, I wanted to look around to see if there was something else, but I, I just kind of failed to do so today. Uh, I wouldn't actually, after seeing all this, wouldn't mind if the belt actually did go to MVP. Um, he's actually starting to 
get himself a, a little something going more than just with Bobby Lashley, and I'm happy for him. So I think he would be one to actually push the U.S. title forward, at least having it on television, maybe even a couple of defenses per month. Uh, I, I'd be quite all right uh, with uh, a nice heel champ running it right now. Yeah, I would too. So next we had Seth Rollins defeated Rey Mysterio by taking his eye out against the step in the eye for an eye match. This was my least favorite match on the card. Full full disclosure, just because I I didn't understand it. Uh, I will say, and we'll get to it at the end of the podcast on Raw, it made a little bit more sense with Seth Rollins' promo, I think, of what they're trying to do or where they're trying to go. And I will also say that there was a report that surfaced, and I believe this was from Meltzer. I know he gets stuff right, but he also gets stuff wrong. But he said that originally this was a tape match. I think it was, you know, obviously other than the cinematic match, the only one that was not live. And originally they had a much more graphic finish using CGI, which there was reports out about that. But Vince scrapped it because he said it was just too much. I will tell you my favorite part of this match, without a doubt, was Seth Rollins getting sick at the sight of Rey Mysterio's eye coming out because that was about the most realist part of this match was if, you know, you just yanked somebody's eye out or gouged it, whatever you want to say, I think it probably would make you pretty sick. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and it's a shame that, you know, from what I'm seeing, a lot of people didn't like the match. It's like, you know, even in stipulation matches, you got to understand there still has to be wrestling involved. So the fact that this was an eye-for-eye match and it wasn't just two dudes just constantly just trying to go for the eye, it, it, it's, it's, a rest, it's, it's entertainment. Like, enjoy it for what it is. But, yes, I, I do agree that Seth's uh, hurling at the end definitely was the highlight of this entire – of that entire match because I, I didn't know how they were going to do it. And I, too, was just like, uh, whatever, you know, it's – I kind of expected something like this. It is like we said in the preview show, you know, it was either what, uh, what got scrapped or what we got and we got what we got. I'm so glad that you brought up the people complaining about the wrestling in this match. There's wrestling in ladder matches when the whole goal is to get the ladder, you know, up to grab a belt there. There's, I mean, there's wrestling in all matches. So, Yes, this was a different stipulation that we haven't seen before, but you should know from watching wrestling, especially the people that are supposedly these huge wrestling fans complaining about it, of course they're going to wrestle. That's what they do. And it does make sense because you have to get your guy, you know, incapacitated enough to where you can do what you need to do, whether it be climb a ladder or in this case, gouge their eye out. So that was just such a stupid thing that I saw kind of trending or, you know, it was a popular comment on social media. And I just wanted to say that I don't understand what those people are talking about. Uh, The most innovative thing without a doubt on this pay-per-view was in the Drew McIntyre, Dolph Ziggler match. I absolutely loved what WWE did here. You know, Ziggler obviously went into the match. He had earned the right to to choose a stipulation. He was going to wait all the way up until the bell. Well, he made it an Extreme Rules match. That's not surprising. But he did it with the caveat that only for him. And that if if McIntyre used any of these weapons or things that uh, Dolph could, 
he would be disqualified and would also lose the belt. I can't ever remember that happening. Uh, it was a brilliant heel move. It actually made me think there was a chance Dolph was going to win. Obviously, that didn't uh, happen. Uh, that was a, also a really good match. The elbow drop onto the table looked sick. And, I mean, the Claymore is becoming one of my favorite wrestling moves. It's almost kind of like now HBK Sweet Chin Music because he really did catch it out of nowhere oh, uh, to finish yeah. this match. And uh, what did you think about the stipulation and also just the match itself? I absolutely loved this one. Um, you know, coming in knowing that Dolph uh, physically was at a disadvantage uh, to the much bigger and stronger champion, he had to pull something like this. And this is unprecedented that he did it, that only one competitor can use it. So I thought it was fantastic. And I, too, uh, started giving uh, Dolph a better shot at bringing it home once he had laid that down. So I was very excited about the match. I thought they played it out extremely well. There were some really good spots, but uh, I'm happy that Drew is still keeping the title. They're, they're, they're making um, this this title reign, considering all the circumstances of the world, they're, they're doing their best with it. And I'm really appreciative of, of what they're doing with Drew McIntyre. So I said Bailey was arguably the best wrestler in the world, arguably the hottest wrestler in the world. Sasha Banks would, again, I'm going to put in quotations, maybe win the women's title against Asuka in what was just an extremely dusty finish, uh, which was a shame because it was a really good match before that. Uh, you had Bailey interference, Asuka shooting green miss, practically a ref bump, Bailey putting on the ref shirt to count the pin. And again, I want to say that I get this because you had to keep both women strong. It, it completely makes sense. I understood that there was probably going to be a dusty finish uh, at the end of this. I just sometimes get amazed when it's like it's almost like they can't figure out what they want to do. So they're like, well, we know we want to make a dusty finish, but we don't know how we're going to do it. So let's just throw a bunch of stuff in there to where it's almost too much. You know, it's kind of hard to, to stomach it, it reminds me a lot we talked about uh you know me and sam did that podcast on cm punk's money in the bank from 2011 which is anyway. i really appreciate that the triple h cm punk match that kind of ended cm punk's run was the same type deal where it, it not only was a dusty finish it was just way too much stuff to the point where you're like what are they doing here but we're going to get into on raw what stephanie said what did you think about the match? And did you have any idea after the pay-per-view who was the, actually the women's champ? Oh, I did. I was like, Asuka's still the champ. The ref didn't, the ref didn't counter down. Uh, there wasn't an quote-unquote official bell. So Asuka's still the champ. It was a no contest. Did you I, see the Wikipedia post? I did not. I, lo I love people. And I'm assuming this was done – after the fact, if it was done before and was done by somebody in WWE, like kudos. If you go to Bailey's Wikipedia page, it says her real name was signed by WWE in whatever year as both a wrestler and a referee. <laughs> Which would give credence to obviously her putting on the referee shirt and making the count. But uh, about that is that when they introduced Asuka on Raw, it they still did have. Raw Women's Champion attached to it, and name. they have the Oscar plate still on the side, which also gives credence to what you're saying. Did you think though the match was good before the finish? 
Oh my God, absolutely. I mean, it was exactly what we thought. Um, uh, I honestly thought it was the match of the night. I just didn't. I, I knew they had to have some sort of dusty finish like that. And I'm just happy that Asuka still has the title just for how long we don't know. And Asuka, I have to say, uh, you know, like I almost forgot, I guess I should say, because I didn't know how good she was in the ring. But this run here recently has just reminded me that, you know, Asuka is another one of those performers that you can pretty much put anybody in the ring and they're going to look great. Uh, and Sasha has improved so much in the last like year, year and a half. I know she had a couple of little spots there, like she fell coming off the top rope and, and there was one other, but there was also some really clean wrestling. And my favorite moment from this match, without a doubt, is I don't know if you saw it right after the most physical spot with both of them hitting the mat from the uh, top rope really difficultly. Uh, you can see Sasha scratch uh Asuka's head and Asuka kind of pinch I think Sasha's arm both saying they're okay which was a really cool moment to see yeah I I did like that so the final match and rightly in my opinion the match that closed the show was a cinematic match between Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman um just to give you the cliff notes we had sort of a similar uh a thing to the Cena in the sense that uh, instead, you know, there was a lot of mind games playing with him. He was actually bitten by a snake at one part. Braun Strowman was. I love the callback that uh, he saw. It was Sister Abigail. All of a sudden, she turns into Alexa Bliss, talking about, you know, come home and we can be together, which we know that was teased during the mixed tag. And the match actually ended after it looked like Braun Strowman had kind of drowned Bray Wyatt. And he came up, and then he gets pulled under – and then the only person to come up is actually the fiend who stared into the camera. And that was the end of the pay-per-view. Let's, let's start with this first. What did you think about the match or the cinematic match? I guess we'll have to say. I, I thought it was fantastic. I loved the promo that Bray cut while he had Braun chained down talking about, you know, he, he doesn't know. And I, you know, only I can lead you and all that. Like it was really like, I was, quite giddy because to me it felt like it was leading towards what I actually wanted um Braun's mind breaking and maybe the possibility of him coming home and being led only thing now is that I don't know uh what the angle is going to be now the fact that he can interchange between that Bray Wyatt can interchange between all of his characters right now I think is incredible i know some people don't dig it i absolutely love it i do too i will say i i hope this is not just we're gonna go straight to fiend brawn and you know i don't know if you want to say the fiend was you know pulling all the strings or, or or whatever because i really think you've got some character development with both of these guys through this angle and if we just go to Fiend Strowman, you're right back to, you know, the monster heel versus the monster face. You can uh, tell me which one you think is which, because I know that it's hard to tell probably with if you took like a, a fan poll. But it, I, I just loved the creativity in this match. I love that at the start of this, you had Bray uh, saying you're going to see the worst thing you've ever seen. And they cut to the karaoke segment from SmackDown on Friday, which this is now two of these cinematic matches in a row that like 
the person that they've made fun of the most is WWE. And whether that's bronze influence or, or whatever, like kudos to whoever is making the final decision to laugh at themselves. Because I think that that's something sometimes is wrong with WWE is they don't, they, they take themselves too seriously and can't kind of laugh at their missteps. So I thought that was really great. And again, I'm kind of interested to see the Alexa Bliss thing. I'm assuming it's just a callback. Now, for y'all that don't remember, not only is the callback to their mixed match, you know, Braun and Alexa being together, a lot of people thought they were shipping, but also Alexa was one of the people that was rumored to be Sister Abigail when people were just dead set knowing that there was going to be a woman on the roster that was going to debut as Sister Abigail. So that was actually a two-way callback there. And again, they've done such a good job in these matches of that. Yeah, I'm I'm totally digging it. Um, I was I came back like right towards um, the Bray Alexa thing kind of dissolving, so I I know knew a little bit. So when I saw that little uh, tweet thrown in there with her being uh, the woman under the veil, I was like, oh man, like they they really touched almost every angle that they could from these two guys, and I I just thought it was really well put together. And one more thing before we move on from this. The attention to details that they have for these cinematic matches, particularly with Bray Wyatt, like give Strowman credit. I don't know if this was his idea, Bray's creative. He has slowly been growing his hair out back to where it looked more like it did hmm. in the Wyatt family. And again, that just brings up, you know, what your theory was, which I still kind of hope is where they're going. Uh, but it, it's just been really well done. They should take a bow and they, they need to do some of this stuff even after we have crowds back because I love it. So let's move on to AEW who had, I guess you would call their third straight week of a on TV pay-per-view. Let's go ahead and start with Cody Rhodes who we know took on Sonny Kiss. It was, uh, a big moment for Sonny and honestly wrestling in ge- general with the stereotypes and stuff that isn't wrestling today. Uh, Cody would eventually get the win over Sony. I was a little surprised that he came out acting heel uh, from the rip. You know, he was doing push-ups, et, et, et cetera. It's just acting very arrogant, aggressive. Uh, I felt like this story would have been pretty easy to still do where Cody looks uh, like a heel, but it would be better character development where, you know, Cody gave Sony this opportunity and, you know, that kind of makes him a good person. But then as Sony continued to one up him early in the match, you'd see Cody get, you know, more and more frustrated, more and more aggressive, and then start behaving more, you know, at the end of the match, like he did at the beginning. But Either way, it looks like Cody is going to be turning heel full stock. Like, it, it just looks like that's where we're headed. Are you okay with that? And what did you think about the match? Um, I thought the match was pretty good. Uh, I was pretty impressed with Sonny Kiss. This is my first time getting a real good full look at him, other than seeing him in the uh, couple of um, battle royals and the such. But uh, I thought it was a pretty good match. Uh, I like how Cody played that out, and I would not mind if Cody uh, went full heel. Um, he's definitely done everything in his power to push the legacy of the the prestige of the TNT Championship. Uh, this is what his sixth defense or or so. So um, he's done that, and if he were to go heel now, 
it would make it more so that people like, or so that I would feel more comfortable if somebody were to come up, punch him in the mouth and take that strap from him. Yeah. And they keep teasing this four horsemen thing. Uh, you know, obviously with Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, maybe Sean Spears gets involved. I, I hope that's not the direction they go. I don't mind him having a faction. I just hope they don't try to do basically a rehash of the horsemen because, you know, AEW and especially their fans in a lot of way, the rabid ones, or I should not even say the rabid ones, the crazy ones, uh, you know, they want to pick on WWE for everything. And it's like, well, if you're just basically stealing the horseman story, you know, you don't have a lot of room to talk. But I, I do think that Cody's getting a little uh, stale in this role. And it's not his fault. Cody is a great face. Um when there's a crowd involved because Cody really knows how to make an entrance, you know, he knows how to, to cut a promo, but I just don't know if he wrestles that well as a face. We know he wrestles great as a heel. And I think Cody is, is ready to kind of shake some uh, things up himself. And I think it would be a great thing for the company, um, especially if to have one of your champions as a heel now. Uh, I mean, Chris Jericho did a lot uh, carrying the legacy of the uh, the AEW championship, and he was a phenomenal and is a phenomenal heel. So I'd be all for that. So I hate to say this because I know how much you love FTR and the Lucha Brothers, and honestly, I was really excited about this match, but I just didn't think it worked. Uh, FTR did win because they ripped off one of the bros' masks. Uh, it just looked to me like they were trying to wrestle the Lucha style, which I was actually excited to see the contrast because, you know, Lucha Brothers are obviously a very fast-paced, exciting style. FTR is more of old-school tag team wrestling, and I thought the styles would contrast much better, and it looked like they just didn't mesh very well. I will say in their defense that this is where – they're at a disadvantage that they don't have house shows. You know, if they had house shows that there would have been, you know, 10 practice matches for this Mm -hmm. before it was ever seen, you know, in front of a a TV or, you know, uh, a a big audience on television or whether it be a pay-per-view. I did like the finish. I did like the fact that it's a kind of a heelish move because they need to be the heels of the tag team division to really, in my opinion, feud with the young bucks to feud with Omega and hangman. I just didn't think this match was that great. I know you've told me how great they are, and I have gone back and watched some of their NXT matches, and they definitely can wrestle. I just, again, I, I think they were trying to work kind of the Lucha Brothers style, and that was kind of, you know, the issues. Did you have a completely different opinion on this match? No, actually, you're very spot on on this. They definitely got away from just trying to do their own thing and was trying to keep pace, and it just it didn't work as well as it would have if they had just gone with uh, their own natural style. Um, I was excited, even though I was a little disappointed in having that eight-man tag the week before. Um, I I was excited just because of the action we saw there to see how they were going to follow up in just a regular tag match. And unfortunately, this time they fell short. So you know that both of us are flat-out Chris Jericho marks. We love him. We have said more glowing things about Chris Jericho on this podcast than probably any two guys that do a podcast anywhere. However, I'm going to tell you, he he had a rough night 
uh, last Wednesday. And it's the first time I can say that, honestly, since he's been in AEW. I thought that his work on the commentator, you know, as a commentator was a little distracting. It was almost like he was trying too hard to be funny and it sort of distracted you from some of the matches. I, I think that's one of those deals that, and even Bobby the Brain Heenan was that way that, you know, it's either they, they, they're off to the races with their first couple of jokes and it just kind of steamrolls from there or either the jokes kind of miss and then it's just kind of hard to recover. I, I know I'm probably not doing a very good job of explaining that, but. To me, you then, are. Okay, well, then maybe I'm making some sense. And then he cut a promo that I'm now at the point where I don't understand if this whole demo god stuff is him trolling or if he and AEW really care about this that much because he came out and cut a promo where they were trying to explain that even though they lost the overall ratings, they won the demo ratings, and that's what's most important, and he's the demo god, and I'm just like, is is this really what he's talking about right now? Uh, I did like the interaction with Orange Cassidy. I thought that was funny. I thought that the fact that he dropped the orange juice on the head (laughs) from above was really funny. And and the reason I say that is because I've seen a lot of articles posted lately that Orange Cassidy could be AEW's undertaker. And before people flip out, I mean, in the sense that he doesn't need the title He doesn't always have to be the main event, but he's an attraction in himself that people are always going to want to see and they're always going to be interested in. It's always going to get a pop. It's always going to get a reaction. And then it's just so funny that he ended up doing, I believe, what The Undertaker did during his ministry thing. Uh, I don't remember if it was to Vince or another guy where he dropped blood Mm -hmm. from from the rafters on. And it reminded me of that with the orange juice. Uh, what did you think about, you know, all of that? The promo, uh, the demo god stuff, and, and Orange Cassidy. Here's an unfortunate part where I got to agree with you again. Um, I am not digging uh, Jericho and hopefully not by extension uh, Tony Khan and the entire company are really, really stressing this whole demographic thing because – this one you're missing me with, Chris. I'm sorry. You're, you're, yes, I am part of that demographic, but you know, you already had me here. You already had a few hundred thousands of us here. But to be worried and openly talking about it on television, uh, I, I hope it's a major troll job and the troll is going home soon. Other than that, um, I love the whole thing with Orange Cassidy. I like what you say about uh, the whole Undertaker part. And what I was actually thinking was, is that you will have to be a man of few words, which is great because I still, don't know what, I still don't know what Orange Cassidy sounds like. Because to me, I'm you know concerned about um, when are you going to be on the mic or whatever. But if you can kind of keep doing little cool tidbits where speaking isn't actually necessary, I can go with. So for another week, I'm all on. I mean, I'm regardless, I'm all on board with this train. Uh, I just hope that there's some better progression uh, down the line. And I, I really wish this segment had a crowd. I, I think that also hurt it. I, I'll just say straight up. I think Jericho probably would have been a little bit more reactionary to the way the crowd was reacting. And I think the crowd would have not been very interested in the demo God stuff. And Jericho is, you know, one of the best guys on the mic ever. I think maybe he would have made an adjustment and that's gotta be difficult for them to do in this environment where 
they're not really being able to kind of gauge what's working and what's not on the fly because obviously you can't hear what the, the people on the tele, you know, watching through their television screens are thinking. Uh, but the last thing to, to talk about in AEW, and again, we normally are very positive about AEW. I love it, but it just was not a great night for him Wednesday. John Moxley retained against Brian Cage. They had, I guess, a decent booking decision in the sense that Taz ended up throwing in the towel because they were worried that, you know, Moxley was going to tear Cage's peck and that would do more long-term damage. This match was, I mean, it was okay. I, I didn't expect this to be a masterpiece in the first point. That That's not where uh, I want to go with this. Where I want to go with is, it is now officially time to start worrying about AEW's booking of their guys coming in that they're the ones telling us are a really big deal, and they just immediately have them lose and throw cold water all over them, whether you want to talk about Brody Lee, whether you want to talk about Lance Archer, and now you want to talk about Brian Cage. you got three guys that you made such a big deal about. Brody Lee, you know, you gave him the exalted one. You know, he's got his own faction, and then he loses, and he really hasn't done anything since. Lance Archer was built up as this big monster, and, you know, me and you talked about, we didn't like the fact that they were putting him in that situation with Cody because we knew Cody was going to win. Cody wins. Now Lance Archer is, I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what they're doing with him. W. Dark. There you go. And now you got Brian Cage, who is a really big signing. Honestly, out of the three guys, and I love Lance Archer, but out of the three guys, Brian Cage, in my opinion, was the biggest guy you had in the chance that he's got the look, he actually can wrestle. Like, this is a great thing. And again, you put him in a no-win situation, have him lose to Moxley, and real quickly so we can get all of it into this and you can discuss how you want Darby Allen would end up coming in, you know, kind of attacking Cage at the end. I'm assuming that's where we're headed with the, you know, FTR match. If, if you don't remember, Brian Cage was the one that hurt Dar- Darby Allen at their last pay-per-view. And I guess that's what they're counting on is either they're going to have Brian Cage, you know, beat up on Darby Allen. Darby Allen will sell like crazy for Brian Cage. That I am excited about. He'll be flopping all over the place. But you either do that, which kind of sucks because you're taking Darby Allen's momentum out when he comes right back, or Darby Allen goes over him even worse. And then it's like, why did you make such a big deal about Brian Cage? Why did you give him the FTR belt? Like, again, I love AEW, but this makes no sense. No, uh, unfortunately, they did kind of make it an untenable position. Fortunately, the, the only saving grace there was Taz throwing in the belt. And yes, I, I feel that it's going to happen exactly as you said, that they're going to have him come in and uh, pound on Darby. Unfortunately, that's going to be the Darby's detriment coming back from his quote unquote injury to, to Cage. So I'm really not excited about how they're doing it. I, I do hope that they, they have uh, better plans for their new hirees in, in the future. I mean, the only one who's still... Uh, kind of a float is that at least Brody Lee still has some stories going where you see that he's kind of enveloping Colt Cabana into the dark order. And then hopefully there'll be someone else down the line who he's kind of targeting, but yeah, they're, they're, they're really falling short. We, we didn't want to call it the way we called it, but unfortunately it was hard to not 
see it the way it was. And now they've kind of put themselves in a bit of a pickle with a bunch of really good looking stars. And I want to say that I still don't agree with RC, who, you know, was very passionate about that it was a terrible decision to have Orange Cassidy not go over Chris Jericho. But you do start to see maybe his frustration or other people that it's like you got all these guys and it's almost like now they're just getting fed to Cody Rhodes, Chris Jericho and John Moxley. Yeah. Uh, and I was hoping that this was not the, the way that it was going to be playing out. And hopefully there's something to address this in the near future. OK. And again, I, I apologize. I don't want people to think that we like to, you know, bash on honestly any company but i just was really disappointed with AEW. they they got a higher rating which good for them i i don't care about that i care more about that i thought this was one of the worst wednesdays they've had actually i'm gonna go and say it was the worst wednesday they've had uh since they've started having weekly shows so there's just a couple things real quick i want to go over nxt uh keith lee defended his title against dominant is it Dijakovic? Goodness gracious, I'm glad you're on the show. Uh, I thought the match was really good. It's obviously not surprising that Keith Lee was going to win. So there's not much element of surprise. There's not much intrigue. This is obviously building to Dominic versus Karrion Cross, which is going to eventually build to Karrion Cross versus Keith Lee. And I'm okay with it. Yeah, totally. Uh, honestly, you couldn't have put that any better. Um, Keith Lee and Dijakovic, they're going to burn the house down every time. I, I will watch them fight another 100 times and love it. So the other thing of note is Dakota Kai defeated Tegan Knox, and it now appears that we're heading to a Dakota versus EO match, which I am very excited mm. about. Are you as well? Or do you, yes, is, do you think it's definitely it's going to be Dakota versus EO next? Uh, I, I hope so. Um, I, I wasn't excited when I, heard, when I saw Tegan Knox getting the number one contendership because – Quite honestly, I feel that she's still a ways away, so I didn't think that she actually stood a chance against an Io Shirai. I thought Dakota definitely um, would serve a, serve a better role. I agree. So, Raw, I want to talk about before we get out of here, and I know we, we've already spent a lot of time talking about wrestling, but I actually thought it was a pretty good Raw. Seth mm. Rollins cut a promo that, again, I said it earlier, it kind of made the Mysterio match make sense. I loved it. He came out and he seemed in the beginning that, you know, it really bothered him that he had to do what he had to do and it upset him. And I think that some of that was true, at least from the sense of like for his character, that he really does believe that it bothered him. And then he just started hammering the fans going, but you made me do this. Let's not forget that you're the ones that turned on me, you know, when I was, you know, on fire and then it was Rey Mysterio who wanted this match. I'm not the one who wanted this match. It was Rey Mysterio did. So you can thank yourself. You can thank Rey Mysterio. I thought it was a fantastic kill promo, like top notch. And it was a fantastic way to open the show to, to boot. Um, it was another one of those ones where it was like, wow, Seth, you're really turning it on here. And, and I like that because you had messaged me, either you had messaged me or I had saw something in the group where you had saw him start to chuckle, but he stayed, he stayed the course and finished, finished it out. Um, he, he, it really was one heck, of a, one heck of a job to open the show. 
And for those that don't know, the reason he chuckled was he said Ray's name, and to their credit, or probably they got in trouble for it, but one of the performance people in the audience goes, he can't see. Uh, and, I mean, literally, you can see Seth kind of chuckle and then collect himself and then go right back on with his promo. Uh, then Seth had a really good match against Aleister Black. Kind of surprisingly, he beat him cleanly, which I can only remember the match against AJ Styles. It's the only other time Alistair has lost in a singles match cleanly since he's been called up. This tells me that Seth Rollins is getting closer and closer to the WWE title picture. Am I looking into this wrong? Does this just mean they're down on Alistair or does this show how high and how much they're getting ready to push Seth again? No, I, I think it's I, – honestly, I, I, I didn't think I would be saying this so soon, but I think you're right, and it would be deservedly so to get him right back in, in the mix. And he would be one of the people that – would put on such a great match and whether or not drew goes over him or not uh it should be a great program absolutely so i got good news for you because i know we were worried about ruby riot apparently turning face <laughs> she got a win man she won a match the over streak is over she defeated peyton royce so maybe the face turn is a good thing Maybe, and, and it's so strange seeing her smiling and all this stuff. <laughs> it, it, like, I, I, I and, and quite honestly, I mean, I, I think you know everybody is different strokes for different folks. Uh, I think Ruby is a, is an attractive woman, and seeing her smile was also kind of creepy. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know WWE likes different. She's different, <laughs> so she would be a different face than any that they have. Uh, if that's why they're doing it, I don't really care. I just think Ruby Riot's very talented. And, you know, again, this is not a knock on Naomi because she does deserve better. But you can say that about any person on the roster, honestly. And Ruby Riot is a prime example. She just lost 14 matches in a row before this one. She deserved better than that as well. So, totally. again, I'm, I'm not knocking the Naomi thing. I completely agree with people. But let's just remember that, unfortunately, in wrestling, you can't push everybody at once. And unfortunately, there's going to be people in favor that it wins, and there's going to be people who are not, and they get losses. That's just the way it is. Yes, uh, sir. The Street Profits defeated Garza and Andrade again in a really good match. Good WWE match. has been having some really good matches lately. But all I could think during this entire thing is, man, Montez Ford is going to be such a star one day, and I hope they don't screw it up because I have more stock in him than just about anybody in WWE. I just hope that they break those guys up at the right time to push him because I just think, A, he's, he looks like a million bucks. He can talk, and, man, he can wrestle. That frog splash was one of the most incredible frog splashes I've and ever he seen. he gets great height on it. Oh, my God. He great height, and he shows gr uh, tremendous athleticism. I mean, he, he uh, him and Bianca really – are two of the future of WWE if they don't screw it up. And I would love them to eventually be like a Triple H and Stephanie. And I'm not talking about the control, but just how they kind of run the show for a while. It, it would be perfect. Versus Seth and Becky a couple of years. Oh, ago. There you that go. Me. That, that, that's in itself. So we also had Bailey take on Kyrie Sane. Before that, her and Sasha cut a promo about, you know, having all the gold. Just, again, typical great heel work by them. Uh, Stephanie McMahon came on the screen. She announced that, you know, 
sorry, uh, Sasha, you did not win the world title. You will have a rematch next week on Raw for the women's title because she said also Asuka didn't win. Obviously, neither one of them won. Uh, but in a surprise during the match, Kerry Sane, who from all reports is almost done. Like, I think she has mm-hmm. one more tape recording and then she's done. She beat Bailey cleanly. Uh, it was a roll up, but still beat her cleanly. It was a beautiful roll up, by the way. It was. Were you like shocked that they had Carrie Sang go over? Maybe it was this just um, a thank you? Completely. It, it, it has to be. That's 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 exactly what I thought it was after when I um, after the three count. I was like, wow, no trickery, no dirty, no dusty finish, no nothing. A clean win for Kyrie after everything that she's been through, especially this past year. This is definitely a thank you for your service uh, kind of thing because, you know, a win like that normally would propel somebody right into a title shot. Exactly. And by all accounts, she's going home to NJPW to be closer to the husband. So um, uh, thank you, Kyrie. You, you've been amazing. Um, they, I, I wish they had given you better while your contract was here. But, you know, best of wishes uh, in going home. And it might have been, we want you back eventually. Uh, and then again, I'm sorry that we open, almost yeah. killed you in uh, <laughs> the tables, ladders, and chairs match against, you know, Charlotte and Becky. We're sorry that uh, Naya, you know, Naya, you tried, yeah, Naya tried to murder you every time you got uh, on screen with her. Uh, but, and again, what a beautiful elbow drop. And like, I love Bailey. Bailey does it really yeah. well too. But it was so, you saw how great Kyrie's, elbow drop is when they were back to back and I'm sorry mm-hmm. there was no comparison like there was no, no comparison I, in this two. I was thinking about that because I, I uh, happened to catch on to Kyrie um, only about a month or two before she had come up and seeing just the evolution of that elbow drop because when she used to do it uh, coming out of NXT and up to the main roster it looked like you know she was actually kind of hurting people but now that they have her doing that little wind up halfway she gets to kind of control her elbow more in her body position so that, you know, the, her opponent barely takes any of the blow at all. So it was really beautiful. It was. So this is where I'm going to get on WWE's ass. Drew McIntyre came out, started to cut a promo <laughs> about what's next. Dolph Ziggler shows up begging for one more match. Uh, eventually it got to the point where the roles are going to be reversed. They didn't say when it's going to be, but McIntyre will now be picking the stipulation against Ziggler. This is what I'm, I'm really upset about. Why are they making him look like a heel? This is now the second time in three or four weeks that they have made him like a straight, like literally look like a straight up jerk. They had the mm. thing with Heath Slater, which was ridiculous. And now you're having this with Dolph where honestly, he did. He looked bad. Like between the comment he made to Dolph, which again, it was true and funny that, you know, coming up short, that's what Dolph Ziggler does. Uh, and then though, the, the fact that what face is going to say, I'm going to wait to the last second to give the stipulation. I'm going to give you exactly what you gave me. It's like, that's not very face-like. No, no, I, I did not dig that at all. Um, I don't see a need to, to, put him in with Ziggler he obviously took a a huge test with what he did at Extreme Rules so I I don't see the point of this I too am a little disappointed with uh, what they got going on here and maybe they're just using this as a little buffer time to end the Mysterio Seth thing before Seth moves on towards him I, I, I don't know 
Well, I, if, if it means McIntyre is going to be more of a tweener and they're consistent with it, I'm okay with it. Because I was actually a little disappointed that they made him more of a face, you know, after he won the Rumble and through that whole process. Because I thought Drew was at his best. It's just a badass. I'm just going to beat you up. Like, that's what I do because I'm the biggest, baddest dude on the roster. Uh, if that's where they're going, I'm okay with it. But I completely agree with your point about Ziggler. If Ziggler can't win the match on Sunday – where literally he can use tables, ladders, and chairs, and if McIntyre uses any of that, he gets disqualified and loses the belt and can't get it done then, why should we think he's going to win any kind of reverse stipulation match, and therefore why should we have any desire to watch? None. None, none, none. So There's no answer to that. <laughs> the show ended with a guy that, you know, I know a lot of people don't like him. I love Randy Orton. I love what he's doing right now. He defeated the big show in a match. It started with a bunch of interference. I have no idea why. I didn't understand why Andrade and Garza were um, involved in it. The Viking Raiders made the save. I guess they're setting up that. I don't know why they couldn't use something else to set that up, but Show dominated the match early until he went for a Vader bomb and missed. And from there, it was all Viper all the time. He dominated, eventually would hit two RKOs before he would defeat him. And then, of course, punt him in the head for good measure. I have a little bit of a problem with the way they booked this. I understand Big Show is, you know, in a lot of ways, a WWE legend. You know, outside of Andre the Giant, he's he's probably the biggest guy to have a successful career in WWE. So he will always be remembered for that. But at this point, why are you protecting big show? Like if you want to make Randy Orton look like a million bucks, just have him go out there and destroy him. Like big show is not going to be around much longer. Not, not least in wrestling matches and being relevant. Randy Orton is going to be relevant. He's proved that the last three, four months. So I don't understand where they kind of protected him, you know, by all that interference in the beginning having show dominate till he, he, it almost was like they were trying to tell the story that he got a little too cocky or maybe a little too angry and was trying to cause too much pain on Orton then made a mistake. And then from there it cost him. I just thought like this should have been Randy Orton dominating. And then Randy Orton drew McIntyre was kind of where I hope they're going, but I have no idea where they're going with Randy. Now, what did you think about this? Um, I'm mostly in the same boat with you. Um, it should have been more, more, uh, Randy Orton holding this entire match. The fact that I, yeah, I, I get that show needed to sh- be a little strong because I'm, mean, you know, he is who he is and so on, but we know that show doesn't have as much, nothing compared to what Randy has left in the tank. So Randy should have definitely ran this better. And, one thing that I, I am missing on the punt thing is that show is a much bigger dude. It's, this isn't going to take him out like it does Christian or even edge for that matter. So if we were going to take this, take this route, Randy should have just did something, you know, the punt, maybe uh, the self concerto, something more to make it seem like, I am putting this dude to bed once and for all. There will be no six-man tag with the damn Viking Raiders or no, none of that stuff. You could have even had him, you know, oh, my God, he was wearing steel-toed boots. You know what I mean? We didn't know that. Or, you know, something like that along that lines. But I agree with you that it is hard to believe that, you know. And, again, Randy Orton is a big dude, but, I mean, it's the big show. I mean, his head's, you know, bigger than I am. Uh, 
before we get out of here, I want to mention real quickly that if you go to the IB Sports page on Facebook, we are doing a wrestling, or I guess the, what we're calling it is the greatest of all time wrestler bracket. It started today. If you are not a member of IB Sports, please join. We will be posting one bracket each day. There are 64 guys in the tournament. It's just like the March Madness bracket. We started with the Ric Flair bracket today. Had some interesting matchups like Kurt Angle versus Jimmy Snuka. Uh, Vader was t- – who was Vader against Moxley, right? Vader Rey Mysterio. You're right, Vader Rey Mysterio. And then Moxley had a good matchup too. I can't remember. Oh, it was Rick Rude. Rick so, Rude, uh, yeah. I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, John. <laughs> so there is some uh, really – Good matchups. I can't wait to show you guys these uh, some of these matchups that we have just in the first round all the way through the tournament. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to do some podcasts on this, too, where we're going to discuss or probably argue, honestly, will be more likely, uh, you know, the results. (laughs) Once we get towards uh, towards the end. Well, actually, I'm going to try to do it every round where when we get done with the first round, talk about, you know, the upsets, which ones we agreed with, disagreed with. Okay. Uh, they'll probably be a little shorter podcast because that's all we're going to do, you know, for that particular podcast. But I just wanted to let everybody know about that. Do you have anything you want to plug before we get out of here? Uh, yes, absolutely. Official Ron L. Tinsley on Instagram, Ron L. Tinsley on both Facebook and on Facebook, uh, right, personal and business page. Uh, you can also reach me at harvestcreditors.com. If you have any troubles on your credit report, you just want to get your credit score higher. Get at me and let's see what we can do for you. Oh, Ron, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I I forgot to forgot to mention because I don't believe we threw that in in the intro. Um, Once you join the uh, IB Sports Group, we do have a premium package. Become a patron. Oh no, you did. Now that I'm starting to say it, you You did. Plug the team turnbuckle group. Go ahead and do that. Yeah, uh, Team Turnbuckle. Uh, we got a podcast for this show. We absolutely love the participants, the participation. We get in all kinds of great content from guys from the outside who will give us uh, lesser-known talent, like my man Jason Gilmartin will do. Aaron Moody will share uh, great stories that are coming up or tweets. Uh, and we're always looking to grow. Please come and join us, guys. It's a ton of fun. That's the Team Turnbuckle Facebook group. And, again, uh, just send an invite. We will accept you, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, And, again, I just want to remind everybody about the IB Sports podcast feed. Please follow that. Hopefully, myself and Alan will be doing another episode of the Backdoor Cover IB Sports Weekly Gambling Podcast tonight. I know the IB Ringer NBA show has been posting weekly. Hopefully, we'll get the RC report back at some time. I know he's been busy, but the the main man, RC, hopefully we'll do a podcast soon. But again, for myself and Ronell, and Ronell, I really appreciate you, you know, coming uh, on as always. We went through a bunch of stuff. And, you know, I, I got to give wrestling credit. It's been something that has kept me interested during this when there hasn't been a lot of new stuff. Yeah, no, uh, honestly, um, I had put on – um god dan levitard show yesterday and it was like holy shit sports this is the first sports anything i've watched in forever exactly so thank you to wrestling for getting us through that and you know hopefully uh they'll continue to evolve i love the cinematic matches they have taken some chances and and i really do appreciate it and we appreciate them providing the content and it's like what i tell people we're normally always positive but we're going to speak our minds on everything but it doesn't mean we don't love it and it doesn't mean we won't be right back so AEW, i'll be there wednesday don't you worry you know sometimes you just got to tell it like it is 
But for Keith Fleming and my main man, Ron Tinsley, this has been another edition of the Team Turnbuckle Podcast. We'll see you guys soon.